You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. You probably didn't expect to hear from me on a Saturday evening, but I figured I'd throw one at you. I had a little free time. I don't think I'm going to be able to do a Monday podcast. It's still up for debate, so I just want to make sure you got your quota. And I was able to hook up with one of my favorite guests, Jeff Lloyd, host of Locked On Brownies. What's up, dude? Uh, you know, look, like you said, uh, you know, a Saturday show. Um, you know, I, I didn't record this week, but we had actually gone seven days in a row. I didn't anticipate it, but um, just the way, I mean, this week went. And, you know, look, all the positive momentum that's gone with the Cleveland Browns. And then you put together the work John Dorsey's done here, you know, I guess starting last Friday. And then, you know, everything that's gone on, on this week, it's it's just been it's been crazy. It's uh, been the busiest week we've ever had with the show. And I mean, you got I mean, you know, even though you're only seven, eight and one after last year, I mean, you got every Brown Browns fan in the world right now flexing every muscle they got. Oh, I bet. I bet. And folks, this show is going to go a lot like the one I did on Friday with Travis, where we're going to focus on the Browns on the first segment or two. But then we're going to try to transition into the rest of the AFC North which you guys know is my stomping grounds as well. So this should be an extra special show. Jeff, I got some things to touch on. Obviously, the Browns are flying right now, but let's start with the offense. I mean, the skill position players here are insane. And let's start with the Hunt suspension, which to me is the going rate, eight games if people haven't heard, and the OBJ trade, which... Through a Giants lens, I don't think they got killed as bad as everyone thinks. But through a Browns lens, this is the biggest no-brainer in the world. Well, I mean, you take the Hunt suspension, and everybody basically had said that anybody you talked to with a grain of salt was 6-10. to 10. You know, that was what you were looking yeah, at somewhere yeah. in that range. And look, if you're Kareem Hunt, the only thing you wanted to do here was hopefully get your accrued year. He's going to get his accrued year. He can go to restricted free agency. And, you know, me, look, these are the guys I normally don't want to deal with. I I don't want to sign these guys. And it's, you know, whatever, if it's me and maybe I'm getting a little older, I just don't need the headache. Mm -hmm. But you look at the business side of it and what, you know, so what? Cleveland will get, you know, Kareem Hunt for eight games and, you know, obviously restricted free agent. You know, you've got a chance to work something out there. You're going to choose the tender you put on him. So from the business side of it, you're going to get him for eight games. Most likely, what do you figure? Maybe a third round pick is something you're going to end up with, even if he's only there for eight games. It's from the business side of it. It's a good move. It's similar to what they did a few years ago, where they took on uh, you know Brock Osweiler's contract for a second round pick. It's business. You're starting to see more of this baseball type of stuff you know, in the NFL. Let's and, stick and there before to, you go to OBJ okay. real quick, because I I just thought about it from a couple perspectives. Is, is I do think Duke is actually being shopped, and I can understand that. There's just not enough balls to go around. And I don't think they want a running back that is more isn't as well rounded as Hunt and Chubb. Um, but I could see Hunt being dealt when he gets back after eight games too. You know, like a Carlos Hyde type of deal. Or what if Chubb stubs his toe in week six? Well, for for me, the thing, and I think with the Duke Johnson trade, I think it's almost to the point now where it's a little bit of mutual. I mean, look, you know, mm-hmm. Duke wants to play. I mean, every player wants to play. Hey, it's great you're getting paid $5 million. It's great it's adding years and longevity to your career. But you want to play. There's just no way around that. And there's teams the who, yes, it's going to be very tough to get on the field. Or even still, he might have a role for eight weeks, eight games, and it's going to disappear after that. 
Right, because, best you know, he has a role for eight games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're going to dump. I mean, a lot of this will be, you know, where the season's going. If you're seven and one and you're cooking, you're probably going to say, yeah, let's take the ammunition of a Kareem Hunt here because, you know, look, now people are going to see more film on us. The second half could get tougher. We're adding a Pro Bowl caliber back to what we have already looks like a Pro Bowl caliber back. The more weapons, the better. Just, you know, there's no reason, you know, my thinking is you move Duke and you find yourself, and I keep going back to the name Benny Snell, just somebody that if something happens to Nick mm-hmm. somewhere early in the season is going to pick up the yards that are available. Because Fifth you're rounder. Not gonna, yeah, you're not yeah, going to yeah. see loaded boxes anymore. That's not, that's not going to happen in any way whatsoever. So there should be a lot of easy yards to pick up for your running game. The Odell thing. Yeah. Um, we were going to be okay. I mean, we as fans and covering this team, you know, Perriman originally, you know, the one year, four million. Yeah, we wanted him back. That was nice. Okay, let's keep Higgins, you know, see where this can go after another full season. We really, you know, we had a half a year of Freddie and everything he did with these guys. So, but then, you know, you know, it, it, and to, I mean, to, you know, if you want to say, you know, for me, it was, well, you're not going to trade for Odell because it, 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 it demands two first round picks. If the Giants were okay, and look, Jabril was fantastic last year, but if you're okay with, the, you know, the Giants saying, all right, well, we're going to view Jabril as a round one pick, which he was. Mm-hmm. And He wasn't just a throw-in. <laughs> no, no, no. Right, no. Right. He's, he's right now the best player in the New York Giants defense. There's no doubt about that. Um, obviously, he's got jersey roots. And he was able to play a little, you know, a, a much better beyond the line of scrimmage. You know, obviously, the box, he, he was very well. But, you know, that Denver game, was he was so well-rounded in that Denver game. And he saw maybe the complete safety that it could be. But, I mean, how do you, you don't say no to that deal. So it's, you know, 17, you know, 96, which I, ironically was the Danny Shelton pick. And then, you know, Jabril Peppers. You, you can't say no to that for a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. Right. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he, he was close with Baker. You know, uh, obviously has a great relationship with Jarvis Landry here. We were okay with keeping Higgins and Paramin. Well, now you just and maybe in, draft somebody or exactly. Right. But now you just brought in a really you had a really good talented skill group, but you just brought in the guy who is now the most talented of your skill group, and that's just I mean it's an it's insane to even think about. But you know I mean he wanted to come here. He told the Giants if you're getting rid of me, there's only a couple places I'm going, and if Cleveland was one of them, and you know and Baker with his accuracy, Odell with his route running. Odell with his, you know, a yard after catch ability, it, it, it's, it's a perfect marriage. It, it, it's, it's crazy to think of. I mean, I, I'm almost to the point now where it's like, all right, let's do the draft, have 4th of July the next day, and let's open up camp. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you guys are busting on your teams. Um, I love the offense. I love the skill position. I love Baker. I, I mean, I, all those things. Do you have any reservations about the line, though? I mean, I think Corbett needed to get in the lineup, so therefore Zeitler was the obvious guy to move with contract. But you're a little thinner than you've been, and the tackles, to me, are average on a good day. And you got a lot invested in them. Well, yeah, I mean, but you're not paying elite tackle money. No, no. Um, yeah, but you brought in, and it's actually funny, because uh, Lamb, who they brought in from Houston, who started 13 games last year, you know, what's the first thing you do when you see this stuff? You know, you look at a little film, you look at PFF grades, He's literally Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard, according to PFF. Can pass block. The run blocking leaves a lot to be desired. Um, Austin Corbett, you drafted him. You know, obviously you drafted him at 30, you know, 33rd overall. A, a GM is going to get that guy on the field. It's, you know, I mean, right, you have right. a lot invested. It, it stinks to move on from Kettler, uh, Kevin Zeitler, uh, you know, because you don't want to lose a guy who was really, really good. You don't want to lose a guy who wasn't causing any problems. 
but he was making really, really heavy money for a right guard position. So if you can get somebody else interested with that and you can find a way to make a deal there. I mean, Kevin has been on my show. I talk with him and his wife a lot. They're extremely nice people. Uh, you know, they're looking forward for the change. You know, I mean, total consummate pro that they're OK with it. He's fine with it. But you, you just hate to use a good you lose a good team player and, and a good part of everything that was going on. But, you know, Corbett had to start. But you also, you know, you, you, you signed Cush as well, who has, uh, you know, some, you know, started games last year. He can play anywhere on the interior. So now you've got, you know, you've got coverage for Treader, who's an injury guy. In case Corbett, maybe there's a little slip up. You're definitely solid at left tackle with Joe Batonio. But you bring in Lamb. We'll see where they're at with Desmond Harrison. I mean, here he's just an absolute wild card and a real tough guy to think that anything may come out of him because once you get into the NFL at 24, you usually weren't doing what you needed to do to be committed anyway. But, yeah, I think you have enough bodies that, that, that you should be okay. And luckily you have Baker, who's such a quick processor. The release is so quick. I mean, you're going to add Odell now where the separation is usually created by the third or fourth stride. You hope everything you have around it will offset it. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to talk top offensive lines in the league, no. Um, sure. you hope, and what they did the second half of last season was probably a mirage where Baker, there were games where there wasn't even a grass stain on his uniform at the end. They probably played above their heads. They're going to come back to they're going to come back a little bit more. But you're going to have more firepower, and hopefully your defense is going to be a little bit better. Yeah. Um, let's talk defense here in a minute. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a second. All right. Defense, I don't need to spend as much time on. I know there's a coordinator change. I would think there almost has to be less blitzing. I do think Peppers will be missed. Ascending player. Um, yep. Best football is probably ahead of him, but that's the price of doing business. You know, Odell Beckham doesn't grow on trees. But... <laughs> Hopefully fewer snaps, though, for the stud defensive linemen. And, you know, the defensive front now really shines as the best part of the team on this side of the ball. But that was even the thing. Uh, we went to recording, uh, started and record Tuesday night. And, you know, Sheldon Richardson, I, I still think this is a – it's so vastly underrated because Odell was brought in. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, you know, if you had went off his rookie year a few years ago and then said, oh, well, he's going to hit free agency for the first time – you can get him for three years, 30-something million, but it's really only 20 guaranteed. People would have laughed, you, laughed at you. Because, I mean, here's a guy who can play on the interior. He can play with his hand in the dirt as a D-end. Mm -hmm. The Jets at times had to use him at edge because they were down guys. So, I mean, the thing I like is the versatility and the athleticism. You know, Miles you know, can play inside and pass rushing downs. Um, Larry Ogunjobi, look, he's going to need a break. This is how you right. ended too up tearing snaps. a bicep. Yeah. Way too many snaps. Um, you throw in an Olivier Vernon, who you know always played against left tackles. Now he's going to go against right tackles. Um, you're still going to. I don't know that he there. was 100 percent healthy last year either. No, you he know? was not. And right. there is always the question of you know how committed were you playing for the New York Giants last year? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, once it's over, it's over, and you know these you know these guys understand. All right, well, we're out of it. You know, what are you going to do? I mean, the last thing I'm going to do is blow up my ACL because you know then where's your career at? But he comes in now, you know, rejuvenated. And he's going to look at a guy, you know, like Miles Garrett. Well, geez, uh, he's going to get two blockers. If it's nickel and dime, Larry's going to get two. Shell that. I mean, how you can't double team everybody. And these guys can all eat in one on ones. You still throw in a guy like Jannard Avery, who nickel and dime is going to take some reps up there in the front. All you right. can go NASCAR with this route. It, they, they did just such an incredible job because the defensive line needed a major address and it needed guy, more guys that you can count on. You can throw in a couple of rookies who can you know, be rotational guys, give you 10 to 15 snaps a game. 
and and you've got what should be the makings of one of those Jacksonville and what are the, you know a lot of these teams were going seven eight nine in the defensive line rotation where it's more of hey you being fresh may cover up the war, some of the warts you have as a player because these offensive linemen and it's the weirdest thing and this one somebody brought this up the other day and it actually you, you sit and think about it we always say you know maybe the offensive line guys are maybe the most unathletic guys on the field but yet they're the ones that are expected to take every single rep of every game. Oh, how right. Do you counter, how, do you, how do you counteract that? By bringing these guys in. You know, all right, well, I just took four reps off. Let's roll. I mean, it's, it's just a really – I mean, it's the, way, it's the way everybody wants to go with it. But I really like what they've done. And, you know, I mean, it's – Miles Garrett's a beast on his own. And, and Larry Ogunjobi's a great interior guy. You throw in a Sheldon Richardson. You throw in an Olivier Vernon. I mean, <laughs> good luck, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. I mean, for all those reasons – I'm not giving Emmanuel Ogbo away. You may have better have a pretty decent deal in place to move on. Although for, he's for gonna... two million for two. Yeah, million, right, it's right. Not worth it. Right, right. Just live for today and keep bringing them in waves. And what if an injury happens? Yeah. Well, I, my, my my thing with Ogbo is you know, maybe it would be somewhere you know if you want to get up from forty nine, even with two Johnson, sure, sure. if you want to get up from forty nine. But they're I mean, real similar to me. They're gonna have a hard time getting on the field. They might have some value, but don't give yep. them away. Yeah, but I mean, if you I mean, you'd be like, I mean, you know. Emmanuel Ogba, the one thing it always was with him, he came out with a great, great athletic profile and felt that, you know, people felt, oh, there's some things he still needs to learn. Well, with a lot of injuries, he hasn't really been able to learn those things. But, I mean, if you get a fourth, fifth round pick, what are you hoping for? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a guy with the athletic profile coming out of Emmanuel Ogba. You're not going to get that type of guy. Got a key position. Um, I'm going to wrap up our Browns chat. And it's been all positive. Do you okay? One word answer: True or false? The Browns have the best roster in the AFC North. True. Me too. I 100 percent agree. However, there's more than building. A f- I'm going to bring it down a little. I know the people are buzzing in Cleveland, and I'm excited about that too. That's going to be very cool. We'll, we'll get to that this week. <laughs> yes, yes. But here's my thoughts too: Is you have a guy that's never been a head coach one year ago. We were talking about, can the Browns win a game? Can they just win one? Now, it's, can they dominate a division that's been dominated by two other teams? Can they build a culture overnight? Can they out-talent everybody else? There's expectations for the first time in Cleveland. And I know all these things don't go down on paper, but trust me, they're real. And the Steelers and Ravens can handle expectation and I also think if you call start calling those two the underdog, look out. Well, and here's the other thing, though. Um, look, you know, the Browns swept the Cincinnati Bengals last year. I think everybody agrees, you know, whatever Cincinnati's even tried to do this. N- nothing's changed there yet for Cincinnati right, right. to say they're any better than what they were. But for the Browns, and this is going to be the key focus is in these games versus the Steelers and, and the Ravens is, I mean, you always you look at it almost like the old vampire movies. You've got to put the wooden stake through the heart. You need to make the statement that, yes, now we are better than you. Look, they didn't beat Pittsburgh last year. They won one against Baltimore. It was, you know, it, it, was, a, you know, it was a dog fight. Yeah. Um, they could have won in week 17. You know, Baker, you know, that's probably what he fuels him in every workout is. I had four downs. I didn't get it done. I didn't get us in field goal position. But you still lost to him. Granted, losses for Baltimore, losses for Pittsburgh. But mentally – you can't just say, oh, because our roster's better, we're a better team. You still have, you know, in the old phrase, the Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And, you know, they, they have not climbed either of those mountains yet, as far, whether it's the Baltimore Ravens or whether it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Right, right. And that's easier said than done. And with all respect to all that young talent, including Baker, there aren't many guys that have a lot of, you know, pelts on the wall there yet. You know, it's a young group, the Najokus and Garretts, and all those guys are great-looking sure. prospects, but they haven't won anything. And it's it's winning in this league is hard. And, and the same thing, though. But And now it's, you know, Freddie, it's like, okay, here's a great story. Now you went from running back coach. I mean, right. Matt, a minute Matt, ago. we were yeah. calling him Todd up until like week seven or eight. I had him confused <laughs> with an old LSU wide receiver. And But now here it is, and it's like, well, right. look, bro, we're expecting you to go 13-3. and three and You better win the division, right, or you're and, a bomb. And get a right. Right. So, right. I, mean, I mean, it's a lot on a guy who's never been a head coach anywhere. Yeah, and to wrap this segment up, I also think it's easier in this league to get to be bad team to mediocre promising team than it is to be mm-hmm. go from mediocre promising team to – true contender that's a harder jump to make well it's you know it, it's it's you know it, it's it's almost like a false positive like are you really what we think you everyone thinks you are and that's what happens when wins are expected mm-hmm. T- division titles are expected you know now the pressure at miles garrett and baker mayfield they came in here as number one picks one coming in here a one in 15 situation the other one coming in zero and 16 you know baker probably feels great that the team went from zero and 16 to seven eight and one but now you got to find another five, six wins after that. Right. And that's I mean, <laughs> right, right. It's, uh, that's harder immense, schedule. You're yep. right. Yeah. Yeah. No it's doubt. an immense pressure in this league. Yep. I mean, you're going to be on Thursday night football a little more, Monday night football, weird travel. You know, just it's not the same. Um, we will be back in one minute, and we're going to wrap up the rest of the division here with the Steelers, uh, Bengals, and Ravens. All right. We brushed on the Bengals, and I don't mean to just kick them under the rug. I don't think they're going to be terrible. And I do have some hope for that coaching staff, but they're vastly unchanged. And I think we all agree they're number four. I don't see any other way around it. And I see every mock draft that's put out there. And I almost equate it like, look, you look at the New York Giants with Eli Manning. And look, as much as I disagree with it and you need it, you need the next quarterback in the building. At least you can look at Eli Manning and say, hey, he's won us two Super Bowls. You look at the Bengals the best of Andy Dalton was getting to the playoffs and losing. Yeah. I, how, how quarterback is not the main priority for that franchise. Has to be. And, I mean, exactly. I mean, nothing else. And, you know, and you see the signings and, you know, I'm sure they're trying to get some bigger names in there, but I mean, you look at this, well, what, I mean, Andy Dalton, and you, you look at AJ Green, sure. And Tyler Boyd had a fantastic year. Joe Mixon, not a bad player, but, that if you don't have the quarterback, there's zero appeal to it whatsoever. And I wish Zach Taylor all the best in the world, and I hope they promised him they, they will go quarterback in round one. Otherwise, I mean, I don't see anything in that building that tells you this team is going to be any better than it was last year. It's just kind of more of the same. You know, I mean, it absolutely <clears throat> is. The Ravens, they won the division last year. <sighs> They've taken some hits, though. I mean, their front seven yep. is not quite the same. I absolutely think that they thought they could sign Mosley. Um, didn't happen. Jets gave him too much money. Earl yes, Thomas is a heck of a pickup, though, and that secondary is going to be legit. I'm sure they'll draft defense, and they scheme things up well on that side of the ball. They're big, and they're tough, and I think Harbaugh is a very good coach. I love the mentality of that football team all the way down. They are never an easy out any given Sunday. But I look at the offense and think... This is unsustainable. You know, like, I love Mark Ingram over Gus Edwards. But as we saw in the playoffs, 
that you got to complete passes, man. I mean, I don't care what what you throw out there schematically. Sometimes it just comes down to it's third and eight, and you got to complete the ball. And Jackson has to be a much better thrower for them to be a legit offense, a much well, I mean, better thrower. There's no doubt, but there's a couple ways to go with this here. First things first, Willie Sneed, wide receiver one. Right. That is their well wide said. receiver one right now. Um, but here's the other problem. That offense was only going to work for so long. You go back to the Wildcat with the Dolphins and yep. Ronnie Brown. It's a great thing. But but the, you did, if this is what you drafted Lamar Jackson for at 32 to run, I mean, I don't high That's a flawed plan. If that's what you did, yeah. if that's all you could do, if that's as nearsighted as you are on this, that's a flawed plan. Because first things first, you can't do this forever because he's going to go down and he's going to go down hard. And he doesn't protect himself. Yes. And the other thing, I mean, let the kid be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need to see what you have because otherwise he's going to get concussed. He's going to blow out a knee. And, and nobody wants to see that. Everybody wants to see whether or not Lamar Jackson was this guy who was a Heisman contender had the ability to throw for 4,000 yards a year in college, the kid could throw the ball. But if you're giving him Willie Sneed and a bunch of tight ends and Mark Ingram, who I like, and I think this is a really good signing because Mark Ingram will do the dirty work between the tackles. He'll take your three-yard runs and turn them into six-yard runs. Uh, Even at the age he's at, a little bit older now. But that's not going to be enough to compete with, you know, the Browns who are going to be able to score, you know, north of 25 week in, week out. Pittsburgh's still going to score. This, right, I mean, right. Ben will throw it 50 times a game it's, you know, until the arm just literally falls off and he has to retire because they can't put it back on. It's not going to be enough. But And now that you've lost Mosley, and look, the Earl Thomas signing is a great signing for them, but you see what it meant. You see the, the logistics of it. $20 million of that is up front over the first year. Like, they understand there's a shelf life with Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. You know, he may be closer to 30, but in a lot of respects, you look at it, he's closer to 35. So, it's you know, in losing Suggs, Hurts, and Darius Smith, and why they didn't – it's almost like I, – I hope the plan is to let Lamar find his way as more of a traditional quarterback and see if that's what it is. And maybe you're going to realize that maybe it'll be a step back to take a step forward this year for them. But you got to get some weapons in there. You can't judge this kid off of Willie Sneed and four tight ends. No, no, you're 100% right. And my, my listeners probably remember, I love Jackson coming out of school. So I'm not, uh, you know, but it's because of what you mentioned. I mean, he was a much better passer at Louisville than he is now. I, I don't Randall, know what, right. Play him like Randall Cunningham. Right. If it, if it, if Let him throw the ball. Out, I'll tuck it and run then. The, the design runs for a kid who's well underweight. And he's never going to get himself to a correct body percentage because he's no. just not built that way. Fuck up the mass. Nope. He, it's just, he's just not going to have it. He's not Dante. He's not Dante Culpepper. He's not built like that. Um, let's switch it to the Steelers. And I talk a lot of Steelers, as you can imagine. So if you ever want to ask me a Steeler question, go for it. But um, I think they will love this underdog role. You know, Vegas odds come out, and they're not the pick to be the division champ. Yeah, they're down. I mean, I will absolutely admit that. And everyone's going. They lost AB. They lost Bell. I mean, those are massive defections Jesse from the organization. I don't think he matters. I honestly don't. I think the okay. Ravens, I'd rather get the the, the the supplement or the complimentary pick for him, uh, the compensatory pick for him. Yep. Um, I'd like to see an upgrade there anyway. Um, but they didn't have Bell last year, folks. I mean, like Bell's been gone. <laughs> this is formally gone. AB leaving is gigantic, but I think the defense is going to be better. I think the kicking game will be better. 
And I do think that not having expectations will be a very nice weight off their shoulders for once. Uh, I will tell you right now, I think Steven Nelson was a very sneaky, good yeah. signing. He was a guy I would have loved to brought to Cleveland. And here's where Pittsburgh's going to love him. Steven Nelson, is he's just – I love the guys who won't shut up. You need some of those guys on defense who continuously run their mouths. I talked to him before he got drafted, you know, during his draft process at Oregon State. And I, I, was, like, I was like, do you get laryngitis? He's like, you know what, sometimes <laughs> – Sometimes my early fourth quarter, I, I still feel, I feel a little something in my chest. You can beat him for 25 yards, and Steven Nelson is going to turn around and tell you how you better run that play again, and he's going to embarrass you. Um, a lot of people know B.J. Kissel. He's one of the main reporters for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, I talked with him during the season, you know, and I, I just love, I, I love those guys because not everybody that plays defense is a trash talker. So you need one or two, like, voices on your defense. And Steven Nelson is going to be that dude. These Steeler fans are going to love him in that regard. But I do think of the fact of whether it's Nelson, Hayden, or Artie Burns, it, the one thing I think is you could put all three of them on Odell. I'm not sure if you're going to stop that. Right. Um, you need to see growth from Edmonds. Uh, you know, that was a very, very strange and weird pick when it came down. He's got to turn into a he's got to turn into some sort of functional piece for that defense. Because they got to the point where they can't afford to miss on early picks. You don't have A.B. You don't have Bell. And, I mean, granted, look, Connor did fantastic. But if you're not going to be ridiculously deep at skill position, guys, you can't fail at, you know, first-round safeties. They need a linebacker. And one guy I am scared to death that you guys draft, Matt, Bush. is Devin Bush. Yep. It is. He's he's my first off thing. Starts. I am. Re, I, I talk with his father all the time. Oh, really? He was one of my favorite players at Florida State, and obviously, you know, he went up to Michigan with him. So now you're talking about a guy with an NFL pedigree. You know, in Bush, he was coached in high school by his father. Um, he, the athletic testing for God's sakes, he tested like it's a defensive yeah. back for God's sakes, and he just doesn't miss. It's read, react. And destroy. He. I mean, I, I pray to God he's off the board before twenty. He was a guy I had. I would have absolutely taken at seventeen. So obviously now the Browns. That's no longer an option. But Giants would take him out. Huge. It would. That, that, it yep. would. That would be a nice start to a build for the Giants. And you know what? Maybe I'm going to have to. You know, take some people up there. <laughs> right. But I, I can see that, the Steelers moving up though with those AB picks. I mean, because that really is their number one need far and away now. Like I can see them going being uncharacteristic to make sure they get them. Well, this is what I do want to ask you. What was, what is the issue? What, what was the final straw, whether it was Brown, whether it was the Steelers? Because it doesn't, it seems weird. Like I, the Steelers will move on from guys when they think they're done and that type of thing. I don't think anybody thinks Antonio Brown was done. What was it, Matt? Like, what was the ultimate factor that they just could not do this anymore? Um, I think, and I don't know this for a fact, but I kind of knows for a fact that I just think Brown decided and he knew that the Steelers were not going to give him another extension. And the only way to really cash in one more time at his age was to get out of here. And the only way to do that was to become a lunatic <laughs> and make it to so the to point speak. that they can't keep him and not call <laughs> the owner back and not call the head coach back and disappear for three days before a crucial week 17 game. I mean, I think he's got a screw loose, but I think that his plan in an unbelievably selfish way worked. 
And it also got to the point, like when the Bills thing came out, and I'm not going there, then it, I, I'm pretty much guaranteed that only the Raiders were in on him at the end. That they, they looked at this crazy person and said, we'd love to have you on the field, but what's to stop him from doing the exact same thing to our team a year from now if he's unhappy and wants yet another contract? And um, unbelievable player. People hate when I say this, that he might be the best offensive player in Steelers history, and I think he's the best receiver ever. Oh, he can't yeah. be. I mean, but, I mean, he's an unbelievable player. But I'm not saying it's addition by subtraction, but he assured that he had to go. I mean, you could not bring him. There's no mending that fence ever. Yeah, I, I, the, the thing that it's just weird, though, is because there was, you know, if you think about Pittsburgh, you think the window, I mean, because it's about Penn. Right. The window right. is small. It's awful timing, right. Yeah, uh, and, and the other thing was is if he was going to go, and because, well, I want a bunch more money, well, okay, well, then let's look at the teams who have a bunch of cap space. Mm-hmm. They're not good. Right. The, teams that, the teams that can give you a lot more money. So, you know, everybody seemed odd that it was Buffalo. Well, they have money. Oakland has money. Uh, and the Colts. Yeah, right, uh, right. The Colts have a lot of money. But they're a rising team. Well, we're not bringing you in here. They're too the smart. The last thing right. we need is this. Yeah, I mean, you know, and everybody, oh, well, maybe Cleveland. Could get, he wasn't going to go to Cleveland. No I mean, way. Pittsburgh wasn't going to send him there. I mean, come on, now stop. But it's just, it just seems it, it just seems weird. And, you know, look, and Juju, and look, Matt. Grab Juju and tell this kid he needs to stop running routes in a mall by plate glass windows. That's it. I mean, it's cool that he wants to be nice and be like the fan favorite. That's great. But, uh, you know, running 10 yard outs in a mall into a plate glass window is not a good idea now when he's, you know, kind of, kind of needed around here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sign the autographs, buy the kids ice cream in the food court, you know, go that route. But I mean, look, James Connor, Juju Smith, Juju Smith, I mean, these are guys that's, you know, the post Ben error. These are really good guys. I mean, these are the guys you want to be the faces of it. So you have a nice, you know, bounce back, you know, whenever it is over with Ben, with both of those young men. But yeah, the defense is going to need a couple more pieces because now, I mean, th- th- there's going to be a lot of yards for Pittsburgh, whether or not they can compete with the upper echelon, you know, like they always could hang with New England and Kansas City and that stuff. When you're down in AB, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, the locker room will definitely be improved. Um, we'll see. Um Jeff, this was a blast. We went longer than I planned, keeping you on a Saturday evening. But it seems like when we get together, we just keep talking and talking. It's good stuff. Everyone needs to check out the Locked on Browns podcast. As you can tell, Jeff can talk about the other teams as well, just as well. And where can they find you on Twitter, my man? Um, obviously, you know, the, we keep the Locked on Browns Twitter account as a follow-back account. And, it, and it, what it is is there's so many older fans who listen to podcasts but aren't really Twitter people. So the reason mm-hmm. I do that is, I mean, they'll send me direct messages because, I mean, in a lot of the questions, you know, you know, they're simple questions. But if they're older people, they don't follow all of the stuff like some of us guys do. So they put something out on Twitter and all the, the trolls come out and they roast them. So, I, you know, I make it easier. I'm trying to keep, you know, I mean, I, I want to appease every listener I have. Um, so they send me DMs and, you know, I answer them there and it's, it's a lot easier. I mean, there was a guy 67 years old asked me a question today. He didn't want to put it on Twitter. What's so a bunch of people going to roast him over something stupid. Right. I mean, you know, a lot of us wouldn't be on Twitter if it wasn't for what we did. So, you know, I understand from that point. But, uh, you know, my personal at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, always talking the league, always talking the draft, talk, always talking college football. It's it. it, it it's been fun, and obviously, you know, Matt, with you and everybody here at Locked On, and the growth and everything that we all got going on here. I mean, it's it's been insane, and you know, it's become a you know, I would say it's become a lot more work into this 
which is, I mean, I really don't have a problem with because I love doing it. Sure. But it's amazing to see the growth between, you know, everybody here, you know, as far as the football side of it is. And it, it, it's just fun to see. and It's fun to be a part of. Absolutely, dude. Uh, this was a blast, folks. I will be back ASAP Tuesday at the, la- at the latest. Maybe we'll squeeze one in there in between. Over and out.